Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. For those of you that have been with us over the last number of weeks and months, you'll know that Solomon here, as he's writing these words, is writing as an older man. He's an older individual uh, by these days, and uh, he's reflecting on his life as a younger man, the things that he did when he was younger, and his pursuits, and his goals, and and, uh, how he lived his life, and and uh, he's writing to younger men to help them to avoid the mistakes that he made. He made some mistakes and he made some decisions that he regretted. He chased after the things that for many are quite natural, the things that maybe there are some of us in this room that we're pursuing after as well. Chasing after wealth and success, the pleasures of this life, It's so easy to get caught up because everybody else is caught up in these things as well. People are pursuing after success and getting farther in your career, climbing higher on the ladder, doing better for yourself and and being able to list some accomplishments to have uh, these, these things you're able to put on your resume, either at work or just in life in general. Maybe you're trying to keep up with everybody else. You see friends buying houses, buying nice cars, being able to do certain things, go on nice vacations, and you feel that pressure to be able to keep up with them and to do those things, and you're you're chasing after that kind of a dream, and you're you're trying to build up wealth and and find every avenue in order to gain uh, money in your bank account. Maybe it's just the pleasures of life. You just want to have fun. You just want to be able to laugh and enjoy yourself and be able to have the pleasures of life. Maybe it doesn't even take a lot of money, but you just want to do those things that, that make you smile, that make you happy, that make you feel good on the inside. In many ways, it can be described as following your heart. You hear that phrase a lot, follow your heart. Well, Solomon followed his heart, and it led him to a terrible place, a place far from God and a place he never thought that he would be in. And what a tragedy for somebody who had so much favor from God to end up in a place like this. He had so much grace from the Lord. He had wisdom from God unlike anybody else. He had riches. He had power. He had fame. He had respect. He had admiration. He had power. I mean, really, what else could you ask for in life? If you were to make a list of the things that you would desire in life, there would probably be no better list than the list that Solomon had in terms of his accomplishments and what he had in life. And yet here he is, having all that anybody could ask for in a place that might surprise some. The first verse that we read tonight, or this morning, is vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. You know what he's saying with these words? He's saying, what a waste. What a waste. What a waste of my time. What a waste of my life. What a waste of all of this energy that I took and pursued after these things. What a waste of all the things that I had. What a waste. It was vanity. It was empty. It was worthless and it was pointless. You could sense the regret in his voice, and I'm sure in large part it's because Solomon cannot go back and change the past. He made his choice, 
and he's stuck with the consequences. There's no going back and doing things over again. There's no reset button. There's no do-overs. Time only goes in one direction. There's a great lesson here, first of all, for all of us, which is learn from the mistakes of Solomon. You don't have to pursue those things and find yourself empty at the end of your life. You don't have to pursue all of these things and think about towards the end about how maybe you should have spent a little bit more time doing something different. At a young age, we could learn these lessons. We could be better without having to go through that experience ourselves. But what if you've already made those mistakes? What if you've already made some of these choices, some of these decisions, some of these things that you might look back on with regret? You might look back and think about, well, if, if I could go over and do it again, I would, but we all know that we can't. Solomon has to live knowing that he made these choices and there's nothing he could do about it. He has to live with the memories, maybe live with the regret. What do you do in a situation like that? I'm sure every one of us, we all have things that we would like to go back and change in our lives, things that we would say, you know what, if I could go back and do things over again, I would do things differently. I would choose this uh, decision over that one. I might prioritize this thing in my life more than something else. You might regret something that you said to a friend, maybe to a spouse. You might regret choosing this job over that one. You might regret how much money you wasted on this thing that you look back now and why did I invest so much into this thing? I just moved into a new place uh, yesterday and I had some great help from some of the men of the church here, some of the ladies of the church as well. I appreciate that. Every single piece of furniture I now regret buying. <laughs> taking down the steps and then taking them up the steps again. And I'm like, oh, can we do without furniture? Let's just sell everything, you know? And, you know, sometimes it feels so good in the moment, but then you look back and you think, ah, oh, you know, why, why did I do that? Why do I have this? Why did I spend so much on this thing? What do you do in situations where, well, I made a decision, I made a choice, I can't go back and change it. What do I do? Verse number eight says, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Verse number nine says that, moreover, because the preacher was, what's the next word? And moreover, because the preacher was wise. What you need in that situation is you need wisdom. You need wisdom. You need wisdom, not just for some future decisions, but how to deal with the past as well. Solomon had so many decisions in his life, so many things that he pursued, so much time that he spent, and he, he looked back on it and says, what a waste, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It was a, what was the point of pursuing all of these things, having all of this wealth and having all of this pleasure, having all of the respect, having all of the admiration of my friends and my peers and, and everybody in the nation and people around the world? What, what, a, what was the point of all of that? That's what he was thinking. But because he was wise, he was able to still move forward. And that's what we all need. We all need wisdom. Somebody might ask, well, what is wisdom? The simplest definition that I like to use when, when I think about, well, what is wisdom? What does it mean to be wise? I like what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. 
Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. As simply put as wisdom could be, wisdom is simply this, hearing the word of God and doing it. That's it. You know what you need in your life today? You need wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Receiving the word of God and obeying it. Hearing the word of God and implementing it. Putting it to practice in your life. That's what you need. And that's what we're going to see that Solomon does. But I want to see how wisdom will help us in a situation where you might think as well, like, you know what, I have some regrets. I have some decisions. Maybe you're still living with those consequences. Maybe you're not really living with the consequences, but still you regret doing some of those things. Well, how does wisdom help? First of all, we see that wisdom lifts you above your feelings. As we can tell with Solomon, he's living with some deep regret. Feelings of, I don't know how we would describe it exactly, maybe disappointment. Maybe he's just looking back on himself and thinking, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Why was I doing that? He had some feelings of regret. Feelings of, why did I decide that? Why did I choose that? And Solomon was not the only one to make foolish decisions. Not the first one to make foolish decisions in the Bible either. You think about some of the great men and some of the great women in the Bible. How many of them made some foolish decisions? Think about Abraham. Abraham was promised a son by God. God told him, you're going to have a son. And he said, okay, great. But years went by, no sons. His wife was thinking, well, where's the son? God said he would give it. I don't see it. Where's the son? And so she came up with a plan. Maybe what God meant was, instead of having a child with me, maybe he meant that you would have a child with somebody else. And so he had a child with Hagar. Hagar had a son whose name was Ishmael. I'm sure many of you know the story. That caused so many troubles in his life. The way that Hagar treated Sarah, the way that Ishmael treated Isaac, and the, the heartbreak of uh, Abraham, even though uh, you know, we understand the, the situation and the relationship there, he had to send his son away eventually, Ishmael away, and, and that deeply troubled him. And I'm sure it's a decision that he regretted. A choice that he thought, oh, why did I do that? It just caused trouble after trouble after trouble in my life. We think about the New Testament. Think about Peter. Remember, as Jesus is finishing off his public ministry, and he's trying to communicate with his disciples what's about to happen, and Peter uh, 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 you know, publicly stands up in front of Jesus and in front of the other disciples, I will never forsake you. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, before the morning comes, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter denied it. He said, there's no way. And then all of the other disciples agreed with him. But you know what happened. As soon as the soldiers came and arrested, they all fled away. But Peter came back around, and as Jesus was arrested, taken to the courtroom, Peter kind of, you know, came by, and he was there. And you know the story that one of the maids says, I think I recognize you. I think you're, you're, you don't talk like one of the locals here. I, I, you must be from Galilee. You must be one of the followers of Jesus. And he denied it. 
he denied the Lord once. And then there were some other soldiers and some, some maids, and they began to talk, and they began to confront and said, you must be one of the followers of Jesus. He began to curse and deny the Lord. And at that third time, as you read in the Bible, what happened? Jesus looked over. He happened to have eyesight with Peter, and he saw Peter. Peter looked at him, and he was ashamed of himself. I stood up so publicly and I said, I would never deny the Lord. And here he is in this moment where Jesus is being tried and eventually will be crucified. He denies the Lord. And you can see that he leaves and he weeps bitterly. So disappointed with himself and his decision and, and what he did. You think about the Apostle Paul. You think about him and, and some of the things that he did to the Christians and to the church. And Then we get to Solomon. Solomon started off so great. He started off with a heart to serve God. He started off with a desire to live for God. And when God came to him and asked, what do you want? He said, I need help. God, I need your help. I need wisdom. That's what he said. And God said, because you asked for that, I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you power. I'll give you prosperity. All of these things. And then he gets older in life and he begins to pursue all of the pleasures of life, all of the different things, instead of pursuing God and wisdom from the Lord. And now he looks back and he's regretting it. These are not proud moments in the life of Abraham, Peter, Paul, or Solomon. I'm sure if they could have their choice, they would, they would like to suppress these stories. It's not stories that they like to think about, maybe things that they like to dwell upon, things that maybe they would like to have erased from the record. And I'm sure every one of us has moments that we would like to erase from the record. Something that we said, even as soon as we said it, we realized that was a mistake. Something that we did, something that we left out, something that we forgot. But one of the great things about our God and about the lessons we learn from his word, is that even though Abraham made a poor, poor decision, God still used him greatly. And he was able to move forward. And those, I'm sure that feeling of regret, it was still there, it lingered with him. He was able to continue to move forward and he was able to rise past those feelings. Peter as well, he wept bitterly. He was ashamed of himself. And yet, moving forward, God restored him and he was a great leader within the church, leading people to the Lord and moving forward for God and God used him greatly. Paul, I mean, he basically took over as the center point of the New Testament. Obviously, God is at the center of it all. But in terms of uh, what we know from the Bible and what we know about these letters, God used him greatly. And wisdom helps us to move past our past some of the things that we might have said and some of the things that we might have done. Praise the Lord that you could fall down six times but still get up the seventh time. And still serve God, still move forward for God. That's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is all we like sheep have gone astray. And yet God loved us. He sought us out. He came after us. He has restored all those that have trusted in Christ as his name. I think the lesson here is wisdom helps us to never quit. Don't quit. 
I know sometimes we feel like quitting. I know sometimes we feel like, you know what, I, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I want to keep going. Sometimes even that, that decision that you made in the past makes you feel like, how could God use me? How could God uh, 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 be in, in my life in a way that is profitable and spiritual? Look at my life. Look at the things that I've done. And yet here we are thinking about all that Solomon had done. And yet towards the end of his life, we see this book, the book of Ecclesiastes. God used Solomon even after all of those decisions and all of those makes to pen these very words that I hope will be a help to us. Secondly, we see that wisdom leads you into proper focus. In verse number nine, the Bible says, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. Sometimes we can make poor decisions, say things we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do, go places we shouldn't be. But the human nature can sometimes dwell upon those things. You ever have those things in your life, those memories that you hope to forget, and for whatever reason, your brain brings it back to mind? And you're like, I wish I could forget about that. And you try to forget about it, but the more you try to forget about it, the more you think about it, right? And I'm sure that every one of us has these sorts of memories, these sorts of things, but what wisdom helps us to do is instead of dwelling on the past, focusing on our decisions, focusing on our mistakes, wisdom helps us to focus on something better. Instead of dwelling upon those things, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Wisdom helps us to move forward, to focus on something better. Sometimes what we need is not to be in a different place, but to look in a different direction. Sometimes there's something right in front of you that you can't see because you're so focused on something else. Sometimes you're so dwelling upon this one thing that you're missing out on some of the other things that are around. You know what wisdom helps us to do? Wisdom helps us to take our focus from that thing that we can't change and move it to something better. Wisdom helps us to focus on the people around us. That's what he says in verse number nine. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still had wisdom. And what did he do? He still taught the people. You know what the lesson here is? It's easy to maybe just dwell upon the past and dwell upon those things that we did. But there are people around us that need us. There's people around you that need you. They need you. Maybe it's a family member. You have a family member. Maybe you're thinking about some of the decisions that you made and some of the choices that you made. But, you know, if you're, if you're married, you have a spouse, and that person needs you. Maybe you're living with your parents or you're living with your children. Your children are still with you. Your children, they need you. And your parents, they need you. Maybe you have some friends. They need you. They need you to be there for them. They need you to help them in their spiritual walk. Here in the church, there are people here that need you. And sometimes we can think so much about that thing that we're, we, we did wrong and we dwell upon the past, but it causes us to lose focus of all the people around us that we could help. You know, there's somebody here at the church today that could use your help. Maybe you don't even know who it is, and maybe you don't even know how you could help, but there are people here 
that need help. That's why we're here, amen? amen? We're here because we need help. We're not here because we got everything figured out and we've got our life set and we're living the American dream and we've got everything that we want and everything's good and, and life is perfect. You know why we're here today? We're here because we need help. We need help from the Lord. We need help from each other. That was God's plan. Looking back on the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians, he, he writes, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. He said, I, I don't deserve to be where I am. Look at what I did. I was arresting Christians. I was persecuting Christians. I was overseeing the death of Christians. And here I am, called to be an apostle. I shouldn't be here. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He said, God put me here, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. You know, Paul could have thought about, oh, if I didn't persecute the church, how much, how much greater the church would be? Maybe how many others would have been reached? And he, he could have dwelled upon all of those decisions that he made in the past, but instead what he did was he thought about, you know what, I can't go back and change the past, but you know what I can do? I can go live for God today. And by living for God today, I could reach somebody today. And he labored abundantly by the grace of God and people were saved. Praise the Lord for that. You know what wisdom helps us to do? It helps us not to focus in on, on those things that we can't change, those decisions that are in the past, and it helps us to focus in on the people around us that we could help. It also helps us, wisdom helps us to focus on the prospects ahead of us. We can't go back and change the past, but we can influence the future. Let's not focus on those things that are unmovable and unchangeable. You know what we could do? We could focus on the things that we can change. There are things in our lives that maybe we think, oh, that's not, that's, there's nothing we could do about that. But there are many things in our lives that we can do something about. Remember who Solomon is writing to in this book. You know who he's writing to in this book? He's not just writing in his journal. He's writing to somebody. You know who he's writing to? In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 9, he says, Rejoice, O young man. He says, I could help somebody before they make the mistakes to avoid the mistakes I made and be better off for it. You know how Solomon decided, you know what? I can help the future. He learned I can help the future by influencing the younger generation. You know, that ought to be our heart. That ought to be our heart that we want to help those that are coming up behind us, to encourage them, to teach them, to guide them, and to lead them. John wrote in one of his epistles, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Tonight is the third week of our Vacation Bible School, and I'm so thankful for all of the work that people have put in, Brother Mike leading the services and leading the charge, and and uh, the opportunity to see all of the kids here and the opportunity to help them, to uh, give them the word of God. And one of the exciting things about Vacation Bible School is to be able to think about the potential future of these kids. 
and being able to help them, to guide them, to set them on the right track from an early age, and to be able to see how God might use them in some great and wonderful ways. And, and I'm looking forward to that. That's why Vacation Bible School is such a big deal here at our church. We want it to be a big deal. We want to be able to put some emphasis on the kids and the younger generation and to be able to help them so that they might avoid some of the mistakes and some of the decisions that we might have made. Thirdly, what wisdom helps us to do is it helps us to focus on the person above us. To focus on the Lord. In the next three verses, we see some allusions to God and His Word. In verse number 9, he says, And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed. He thought about, all right, what's, what's the right way to think about this? And he sought out. That means he wasn't just kind of, you know, saying things off the cuff. He really thought about it. He was really studying and trying to figure out some of these things. And he set in order many proverbs. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Proverbs. The very first day, or really the next day that after I got saved, the very first words that I read from God's Word were out of the book of Proverbs. We also see an allusion to the words of truth. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The Bible says in, chapter, in the book of John, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Then we see the words from the shepherd. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. If you know the life of Solomon, you'll know that he lived a life of great wealth, great, whatever it is that you could have in life, he had it and in abundance. The Bible describes some of the things that he had just to kind of give us a context for how great Solomon was and how well the country was doing at the time. The Bible describes the throne that he had. He would sit upon his throne as the king and the, the throne was made of ivory. Now ivory was a rare and precious, you know, thing and you know, but imagine having an entire throne made of ivory. Imagine how long that would take to accumulate all of that. It was, it was a massive amount. Would have been quite impressive in and of itself. And yet, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that that was not good enough. So what they did was they took the purest gold and they overlaid the throne in gold. You know, ivory is something that people might display something that people might show off. They might have this or that made of ivory. You wouldn't cover it with something. And yet Solomon said, this is not good enough. And he took the best gold and he overlaid it with gold. The Bible describes that his throne was set upon a platform with six stairs that goes above. It was in a, a circle. And at the top of the circle, circular platform was his throne. And so there were six steps leading up to his throne, and the Bible describes that next to his throne were two uh, statues of lions, and on each of the steps were a pair of a statues of lions of what we might presume to be pure gold. Imagine walking into the throne room of Solomon. He's sitting upon a throne of ivory overlaid with pure gold and these lion statues of pure gold. The Bible describes that he had 300 shields made with gold, and it says that in his house, 
every single cup, every single vessel was made of gold. Not overlaid with, not gold plated, pure gold. Imagine your plates being pure gold, your bowls are pure gold, your cups are pure gold. Imagine that. And the Bible says that in those days, now if we went to somebody's house and we saw somebody with gold cups, we would be like, is this gold? <laughs> you have gold cups? That's, that's impressive. That's incredible. We might be impressed with that. But gold was so common in the kingdom that nobody thought anything of it. A visitor might come and say, wow, your plates and your, your cups are of gold. And everybody's like, yeah, of course they're gold. What do you mean? We wouldn't use anything but gold. <laughs> I mean, that would be impressive. That's just his throne, and that's just his dining table silverware and the plates. And Let's go to the temple. The building was laid, overlaid with pure gold. I mean, this was an impressive time to be living. It would have been an impressive place to go visit. I mean, this would have been if you were able to go travel and to go visit, maybe you're a wealthy individual, maybe you're a king or queen, you would have wanted to go, go over there just to see it. It would have been an impressive sight for anybody. Even today, if there were a place like that, we would all probably put it on our, on our list of places to go. And yet when you think about all that is left behind from Solomon, we don't have any of that. There's no gold cups, no gold plates. There's no ivory throne overlaid in gold. No lion statues, not even the temple. You know what we have left from Solomon's life? The only thing that we have left from Solomon is the words of God that were given to him. You know, people spend so much time building up wealth, buying houses, buying cars, buying clothes, buying luxury goods, buying stuff, going places, experiencing things, having pleasures, doing all of those things. And, and Solomon had more of that than any of us could ever dream about. And yet so many years later, you know what's left of all of that? None of it. It's gone. You know what we do have left is the word of God. The word that was given through Solomon. You know what's interesting is the book of Proverbs, as we think about it, we might think, oh yeah, Solomon's writing these Proverbs and things like that. But Proverbs chapter 25 has an interesting verse there at the very beginning. It says, these all are also Proverbs of Solomon. So here's a list of Proverbs of Solomon from like chapter 10 to chapter 24. Here's a bunch of Proverbs. And then in chapter 25, he says, here are more Proverbs. But what's interesting is the next part, which says, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. You know who Hezekiah is? He was one of the kings of Judah. He was one of the descendants of Solomon. You know who King Hezekiah, how long he lived after Solomon? He lived after Solomon 200 years. You know, by the time of Hezekiah, all those things were gone. All of those things were taken. Uh, he had gold shields. They were taken. The gold targets, they were taken. The things in the houses, they were taken. Everything was taken. Everything was gone. But you know what King Hezekiah did have? He had the words of God. 
And these words were maybe shared, maybe somebody wrote some of these things down and God compiled these things all together. And here we have these words from Solomon. After all that he had done, all that he had accomplished, and all that he had accumulated, you know what's left of all of that? Just the Word of God. You know what you could do to help somebody in their Christian life? Give them the Word of God. You know what will stick with people and help people over the long term? The Word of God. Verse 11, the words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies. You know what he's saying? The word of God is something that will provoke you to do good. And then it'll be a nail that is hammered into your life that you just can't get away from. You want to leave an impact on the future generation? Give them the word of God. Thirdly, what we see in terms of our life, thinking about some of the things that we've done, how can we move forward? We need wisdom. The third area in which we see that wisdom helps us is that wisdom lowers you into humble faith. Verse number 12 says, And further by these, my son, be admonished. Of, many making, of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. No matter how smart that we might get, we'll never figure it all out. It would be nice if we had perfect understanding. It would be nice if we could make sense of it all, but there's always something that you're not going to understand. There's always going to be some uncertainty in your life. There's always going to be something that leaves you a little puzzled, leaves you with some questions, ultimately maybe leaving you with a question that you might ask, why? Why did it have to be like that? Why did it have to turn out that way? Sometimes we never know. Think about the life of Job in the Old Testament. Job had it all. He had a great family, had 10 kids. He had seven boys and three girls, and they were well off and loved each other, enjoyed each other's company. And so every night, one of the brothers would host a dinner for everybody. And so everybody had their turn the seven days of the week. Brother one would host on the first day and everybody would come over. They would have dinner together. They would have a feast together. And then the uh, Monday, the second day, then you would have, you know, the second brother he would host and, and the sisters were invited. They, they had a great relationship. He had a great family. He had a lot of wealth. Thousands of sheep and camels and oxen. Lots of, he, had a, he was a wealthy man. One of the wealthiest. But in a day, he lost it all. He lost all of his wealth, and he lost all of his kids. Because Satan wanted to attack Job. By the grace of God, God had protected Job, but we see some of the conversation and the dialogue at the beginning of the book of Job, but that wasn't enough. So Satan wanted to go after Job even further. So you know what he did? He went and he attacked Job's health. So now he has no kids, no wealth, and no health. I mean, these are the things that we might all want to have in our lives. And one of the common questions that you see in the book of Job is the question, why? God, why is this happening to me? God, why am I going through this? God, why is this something that has to happen to me? He was saying, I, I wasn't living in sin. I was doing my very best. I wasn't living selfishly. What's going on? 
But you know, wisdom helps us to understand we won't always know why. Wisdom helps us to just understand, receive what God has said, and just do it as God gave it to us. Sometimes it won't make sense. Sometimes you won't understand. But wisdom helps us to move forward even when we don't understand. Meaning we just have to do this. We just have to trust God. I don't know the future. You don't know the future. But we know the one who does know the future. God knows the future. So you know what we should do? We should obey God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Moses is writing and he says, you know what, there's some things in life that we won't know. Only God knows these things. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed, God has shown us some things. Those things that are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. You know what he's saying? He's saying there are some things that we don't know. But you know what we do know? What God has given to us, we should do. I won't know everything. God hasn't revealed everything to me, but I just need to do that. You know what Solomon says in verse number 12, of making many books, there is no end. You know, the Bible is a big book. Maybe you've read through the whole Bible. Hope that that's one of your goals, to be able to read through the Bible, to read every single word of God. Maybe you've been coming to church services week after week after week, and you've been coming maybe Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You've been coming consistently. But let's say there's somebody here in that sort of a situation. You've read the Bible, you've come to the church services, and you're still not convinced. You're not convinced that what the Bible says is what you really should be doing, and, and you're not convinced that, uh, that, that every word of God is true and that you should live every single word and put that into your life. Maybe you're not convinced. You know what Solomon is saying? There's no more words that I could give you that would convince you. You just need to trust God and obey. Sometimes people are looking for something else. Oh, maybe there's another explanation, another illustration, another way that somebody might say something that'll help. And you know what Solomon is saying? I could write another book. I could write another letter. I could write some more words. But that's not going to make any difference. If you're not convinced already by the word of God, what he's saying is another book's not going to help you. He's saying in verse, in verse number 12, and much study is a weirdness of the flesh. Sometimes in our pride, we, we, we don't want to make a decision until we know absolutely for sure. And he said, you could keep studying if you want to, learning more if you want to, getting into all of these things if you want to, but God says, what I've given you is enough. The end of the book of John, the, the fourth gospel in the Bible says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. You know what John is saying? He's saying there's a lot of other things that Jesus did. There's a lot of other parables that Jesus gave. There's a lot of other miracles that Jesus performed, but we don't know about them because God didn't record them for us. You know what John is saying? What you have is enough to be able to make the right decision and to be able to move forward in your life. Now, I know the tempting question is, well, 
if God knows something that we don't know, why doesn't he just tell us? Right? Why doesn't God just tell us? Why doesn't God just tell me the future? Why doesn't God just tell me exactly, specifically, exactly what I'm supposed to do? Is God hiding something from me? Is God holding back something from me? That's the temptation of Satan to Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? God's keeping something from you. Is God keeping something from you by not telling you every single thing? That brings us to the theme of our church for the year. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. You know what God desires from us? Faith. You know, sometimes my kids come and ask me. I tell them to do something, and they say, why? Sometimes I explain it to them, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I tell them, you need to do it because I told you. I have a reason, but you don't need to know the reason. You only need to know this is what I'm telling you to do. All right? Do it this way. Sometimes, even when I explain it, they still don't understand. Now, whether they understand or not, whether they know the reason or not, all they need to know is, what did I tell them, and are they doing it? That's what they need to know. Now, as my kids get older, I want to explain things to them. The things that I do, the, the, the things that I tell you to do, they're not arbitrary. There's a reason for these things. And so as they get older, I explain it. Okay, this is the reason why you need to do this. And sometimes when I ask, you know, especially when my kids were really young, they would ask why you should do this. Why? You should do it this way. Why? Because of this. Why? Because of that. Why? Okay, you don't need to know why, just do it, okay? Because there's obviously no end to the question why. We're simply children in the eyes of God, and if you got an answer to your why, you know what you would answer with? Why? God, you told me to do this. Why? Because of this reason. You wouldn't say, oh, okay, I get it now. All right, I'll go do it. You know what you would do? Most likely we would be like, why? And God would say, well, because of this. And then you know what we would do? We would go, why? And then we would say, God would say, well, this is the reason why. And then we would say, but why? And God says, you know what? We don't need to play the game. All you need to do is know that I have a reason. And that reason led me to tell you to do this. All you need to know is, Oh, here's what I told you to do, and are you doing it? Wisdom allows us to move past the unknowns and uncertainties of life to simply do what God told us to do. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. You know what? Sometimes it's that uncertainty of the future that leads us to make bad decisions. And what we should do is simply trust the Lord. See, I don't know all of the situations in your life. You know, as I talk with many of the people in our church and some of the people that are here, I, I get to get to know you all and get to, you know, find out some things in your life. And I know some of the heartaches, some of the burdens that you have in your life, some of the things that you're struggling with, some, some choices and decisions that are ahead of you that you're thinking, well, if I do this, here are all of the reasons. And here, if I do this other thing, here are all of the reasons. And, and uh, you're trying to make a good spiritual decision. 
You know, I was uh, reading the autobiography of uh, George Mueller. He had orphanages in England and uh, started it all by faith. Never asked people for money. He simply, uh, you know, said, I'm, I'm building an orphanage. And, uh, and he would pray to God and God would, you know, answer and bless and provide for him. And as he was growing, he would think about, you know what, uh, I want to build another orphanage, another building, you know, but is this, is this what I should do? And so he wrote down these lists of, here are the reasons why I should. And he wrote all of these things, but then he also wrote down, here's a list of all the potential pitfalls, you know, maybe, maybe this is a temptation to build me up and I would feel proud about my accomplishments. I, sh I should be careful of that. Or maybe this is, you know, more than I could do. You know, I'm just a man. I know God can do everything, but maybe this is more than I could do. What about if after I die, what's going to happen to the orphanage? And he wrote down all of these reasons and, and maybe you're that kind of person. You're writing down all of these reasons about what you should do. And here's the pros here. Here's the cons and trying to make a, a good decision. But at the end of the day, maybe there's not enough information to make a hundred percent sure choice in your life. Wisdom tells you, go to God's word, do what God's word says, follow and obey, and you will be blessed. You don't have to worry about making poor decisions. Oh, if I would have made another decision that, that maybe this would have happened, all we need to know is, what did God say? Let's follow and obey that, and God will bless.